Yeah, so I've been um, having quite the schedule, I think, since about mid-June, which was my uh, first camp. I think I'm on camp number six right now. Uh, still got seven and eight to go. But even though it's fairly exhausting in some respects, it's also very, very rewarding um, because lives get transformed. Um, and that's why we do what we do, you know. When even just one person comes to know Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. And so it's, it's definitely worth it to again and again um, do these camps and see people encounter Jesus for the first time or encounter him in a new and a fresh way. Um, the one that I led was Young Adults Camp, and that'll just be kind of in the middle of my message. But I, I just did senior high camp as well, and I got to baptize five people there which was pretty cool. Some of them were from St. Paul, and uh, they had some pretty powerful testimonies. And um, some of them also used to live in St. Paul and happened to uh, move away. And so it was just kind of neat and just an honor to be able to do that. And uh, I wasn't super involved with kids' camp. I just did some um, filming, videography work, kind of thing like that. Um, mostly this week I've been working for junior high camp uh, stuff because there's a, we run like a massive marathon relay race to end that off, and it's a, it's a very big game, 23 different stations, so I've been burning the midnight oil, making sure that's going to be epic, because um, besides obviously just in leading people to encounter God, we, all, we also want them to have a bunch of fun when they come to camp, So, uh, and it's fun to put all that together. But anyways, my message this week, um, it's called Death and New Life, and it's kind of a topic, I guess, that I've been I've had it in my head for a while. Um, I'm just going to center this because that's just the kind of guy I am. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we were pulling weeds earlier in this week. Um, I don't think I've pulled all that many weeds in my life, but it was a novel experience. It was kind of fun. But anyway, we were pulling a bunch of weeds. My dad was in our mom's there. Cynthia's there, tearing all these weeds out, and making sure the roots are coming with them. I didn't know dandelions could get that big. There were some pretty monstrous ones there. They might have been mutated. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but anyways, um, Afterwards, I went around with some Roundup and just brought some extra death and destruction. And I'm an artsy and a metaphorical fellow, and so, of course, this is inspiring me a little bit of like, oh, this is a sermon illustration. See, biblically, one of the, big, you know, one of the biggest, biggest themes that's in Scripture is this theme of death and new life. See, our symbol as, as Christians is actually, it's the cross, which is actually a death device. It's a Roman execution device. The very symbol that, you know, of the thing that, that, that killed our beloved Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now that would seem, you know, fairly sick and twisted of us to have, you know, this execution device around our neck or on our walls if we didn't have the rest of the story. You think it's it, it's kind of strange when you think about it. Literally, it's almost like having a guillotine or a hangman's noose as our symbol. But yet, because there's a rest of the story. Things have radically changed. See, Jesus conquered death. He rose from the grave. And he brought us access to eternal life all from his death and his resurrection. This death and new life. See, God's redemption is so powerful that it turned this grotesque symbol, this execution device, this sign of death and destruction into a sign of life and life everlasting. That's the redemptive power of God. Out of death can come life. So this theme of death and new life, it actually kind of touches really every aspect of our faith. 
Think of it like when we become a Christian, we are dead to our past life, we are dead to sin, and we are alive in Christ. We are born again. We are a new creation. Out of death comes life. Think of it like this. Also in your daily life as a Christian, out of death comes life. Jesus taught on this in actually uh, Luke, Luke 9. That's where we're going to read our first scripture here, Luke 9, 23 through 24. Sorry, 25. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? Again, there's that theme, dying to self, dying to our own way, and out of that, life. Think even kind of the end of our story as Christians. Eventually we will die on this earth, and what will be granted? New life. Themes just everywhere. We're going to key in on what that scripture I was just talking about there, that, that dying to self. That even during our daily lives, there's things that need to die so that we can have life. I'm going to read here from Colossians 3, 1 to 5. This is Apostle Paul talking here. He's somebody that had to die to himself every day. Jesus, they were, Jesus was talking about that, dying to yourself every day, picking up your cross every day. Think of uh, Apostle Paul's story. He used to be someone that went around murdering Christians. He was kind of like a bounty hunter, going after Christians, getting them executed, getting them killed, getting them thrown in prison. And then he had a radical encounter with Jesus, and then he becomes this great apostle that's going all over the place preaching about Jesus. You think every day in his life he would have to die to his past life? How often the devil would try to bring that back and remind him of all his past sins, and he would have to die to his past life and say, no, that's gone. I'm alive in Christ Jesus. So anyways, he really knows what he's talking about here in Colossians 3, first five verses. So since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. See, on the cross, Jesus defeated death, but he didn't destroy it. So we still struggle with things that bring death to our life. And I'm speaking metaphorically, but also uh, literally at the same time with this one. There's many things that will bring death to your life. John 10.10 says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that you might have life and life to the full, life abundantly. So there's kind of these two columns that I want you to think of. There's one column in this life that will lead you to death and brings death to your life in many ways. And the other column, there's things in this life that will bring life and abundant life and eternal life to you. There's things that are on the side of stealing, killing, destroying. They'll come into your life. They'll steal from your destiny. They'll, uh, they'll steal from your sense of self. They'll kill your dreams, your desires. They'll destroy all sorts of things. You know, fears, addictions, bad habits, lies you're believing, stubbornness, etc., the enemy will either try to put, that, put those things there or they'll just capitalize on them. And the more ammo the devil has on this side of the spectrum, you know, the more he can manipulate you. Of course, the inverse is true as well. The more things you have in your life that are life-giving, that are of God, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Also, you know, that knowledge of our God-given identity, who we are in Christ, the fact we are a new creation, we've been redeemed and set free. We walk with the very Spirit of God within us. All those things bring life to your life, essentially. All the good habits, the things, you know, the, the godly behaviors, those bring life to your life. So it's our job as Christians to do this inventory, to go through those two columns and say, what am I doing that's bringing death to my life? What's robbing? What are the things in my life that are robbing and stealing and destroying? What are the things that are bringing life and life abundantly? So what we need to do when we go through that process, and we're trying to go through and determine that God will help us with it, if we need to pick up our cross and make sure these things that are you know, bringing death to our life are dying, that we're getting rid of them, that we're expelling them, getting them out of our life. Changing our way of doing things and picking up God's way of doing things. Changing the things that we believe about ourselves into what God believes about us. We need to pick up what's holy, what is good, what is truth. So it's our job to actually pull the weeds of our soul. And it's the, be- it's the best when we can go right down and tear roots right out. Eliminate the weeds. Or just go with some regular Holy Ghost roundup <laughs> into our soul and make sure we're putting to death what needs to die. Because these weeds of our soul, these, these patterns of thought, these, these, these habits, these sins we have within us, they will choke out the life within you unless we get rid of them. Now sometimes God will even send other people to come alongside and help you with this. And even very lovingly point out that there's something within you that needs to die. There's something within you that needs to change. God needs to deal with this little thing right here. So Paul did this for Timothy. Timothy was just a young pastor, just a young guy. And he's doing you know, many great things, got a lot of great qualities. But there was this weed that needed to be pulled out of his soul. There was this, this aspect of his life that was robbing from him, that was stealing from him, that was preventing him from fully walking in his destiny and calling that he has with God. And that was fear. Now, during this time... It was pretty scary to be a minister, uh, to be a Christian even, that you'd be hunted and killed. And so fear is pretty rational in this circumstance. But Paul had to come alongside and encourage Timothy and say, hey, if you live this life of fear, you'll never get to walk out this destiny that God has for you. So this is what he says to him in 2 Timothy 1, uh, 5 through 7 here. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, Timothy was lacking power. He was lacking love. He was lacking self-discipline. It also can be translated to a sound mind. Often when you're You're fearful, you can have all sorts of irrational thoughts. And this is obviously impacting Timothy's ability to do ministry, to lead well, to walk in his destiny. And so Paul comes alongside and has to remind him, God did not give you that spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy, that spirit of fear, the way you're operating, that's not the way you're supposed to be operating. That's not of God. What is of God is the spirit of God, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that's within you. That's the way you need to operate. That same spirit we have all as Christians. So I want to incorporate a bit of a testimony in the Young Adults Camp. This is not quite my, uh, I guess, 
normal way of doing messages, but whatever. I like to be different. <laughs> um, so yeah, my, my hope for Young Adults Camp was kind of like what Paul's hope for Timothy was. To me, it's, it's pretty obvious to see there's a lot of issues with young adults. There's a lot of issues with everybody, but there's very specific ones with young adults that I was thinking, thinking through that I think are inhibiting their ability to walk in their destiny and their calling and, you know, in what God really has for them. Whether it's fear or just bad habits, whatever. And I just felt, man, they just needed an encounter with a living God that could just set them free from some of that stuff. You know, these quote-unquote weeds could just be pulled from their soul so they could just walk in that, that destiny, that calling, and that purpose that God has for them. So that's why I brought in Dan Baker, who was here just, uh, yeah, numbers of weeks ago. And that's kind of his specialty. That's kind of the gift that he has. He works as a counselor, but God can also move through him prophetically the same way that, you know, Paul was just operating there to speak to Timothy and say, hey, there's this issue that you need to deal with, that God needs to set you free from. And God uses Dan in very powerful ways to set people free from these, these strongholds of the enemy. Sometimes these deep wounds people have, uh, these things people are struggling with, struggling with deep in their soul. So that's kind of why I brought Dan in. That was my heart. That's what I wanted to see happen. But little did I know that through this entire process of leading young adults camp, there was weeds within my own soul that God would just needed to pull out. Funny how that works. We're often thinking of other people. This is what other people need. God's like, this is what you need. Um, so anyways, this is way back in December, I was like, we need to bring in Dan, and um, God just kind of spoke that to me in the middle of a staff meeting, we weren't talking about anything to the young adults camp, and it just randomly just came to me, um, but anyways, my first, my first stop on the having, having to advertise the young adults camp tour um, was at this, kind of this conference for youth pastors and youth leaders, and it was in uh, January, and there's... I don't know, probably four or 500 youth pastors and young adults that show up to this. And the thing is, I actually hate this conference. I hate it with a deep, deep passion. Um, because I went to it numbers of years ago, and I came away feeling pretty discouraged and annoyed. And um, I'm sure most of you are aware, because you grew, you, grew up in a, or you grew up in a small town, or you live in a small town, you know there's quite a dynamic in society between this divide between the urban and the rural if you actually just Google this, the urban-rural divide, it's worldwide and it's all throughout history. Uh, it can be very annoying sometimes if you are in, you're just the dude from the small town, the person from the small town in a completely different setting, and you're around a bunch of people from city settings, because they don't often think you're the coolest person to walk the earth. They often think you're some backwards redneck or something. So anyways, this, this still happens, unfortunately, in ministry circles. It's happened my entire life, but anyways... So in, in this specific setting, you know, the whole point of this whole weekend is that you'll come with your youth ministry team and you'll bond together as a team as they train you in, in different things. And so you eat together as a team, you bunk together as a team, you do activities together as a team, you sit together in the services. And it's, it's primarily attended by like the five biggest churches within our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada within Alberta. And they have like these huge teams of like four youth pastors and like 50 youth leaders and youth groups of like 200 kids. And then there's a bunch of pastors like myself that come from small towns that don't have, you know, 50 youth leaders to help them out. They don't have this massive population of young adults in university or something like that to come help them out. They don't have massive youth groups. And so I just walk around there by myself um, and they're just like, where's your team? And I'm like, I am the team. <laughs> 
And so the whole weekend essentially is geared towards, yeah, you're with your team, sit with your team, eat with your team. And one of my big gripes is they have, no, like the people leading this, and I say this to their face, is that they have kind of this lack of awareness of the fact that the, actually the vast majority of pastors don't fit this mold, and so they don't bother to come to this conference. It must be a glutton for punishment because I keep showing up to this thing. But anyway, so I have to sit in the back pew all by myself all weekend. And sure enough, when I go this year again, and I have to go just to advertise Young Adults Camp, there is hundreds of young adults there, so it's a good place to advertise. Um, and I, yeah, I knew right at the very end that I'm going to get to advertise this camp. And I spend the whole weekend sitting at, the, at, you know, at that same pew in the back. What made it worse this time is a bunch of nursing mothers came and also sat in the back where I was. And it just, yeah... It was awkward. So anyways, so I'm not really enjoying myself this whole weekend because they'd be like, all right, you have four hours to spend time together as a team. And I'm like, well, I'm going to my hotel and watching Netflix and eating pizza. Like, thanks. Okay, see ya. Um, Anyway, so we happen to have this special guest preacher that's at this event. And she had come to this church um, when I was, I think I want to say about nine years old. Uh, And... Anyways, uh, I happened to walk right in front of her during one of the breakout sessions, and she looks at me, and she says, I know you, and I'm like a little taken aback by that, because last time she saw me, I was nine, and we get talking, sure enough, she knows all sorts of stuff about my family, my uncles, um, aunts, all sorts of stuff like, like that, but anyways, um, weekend goes on, and, th- and she's preaching, calling people up for the altar for prayer at the end of one of her last messages. And then kind of at the end of this, this message that she's preaching, she actually just gets right off the pulpit, walks past all the hundreds and hundreds of people, and comes right to me sitting at the, the back pew all by myself. And she says, Chris, you've just been on my mind all weekend since I, we re-met each other. And she, just feels, she says, I just feel God is doing something very, very special in you. And she says, I have this picture of a harp. And God is taking this harp and he's tuning it. He's taking the strings and he's tightening it. And she says, I feel like this is a picture of your heart and that God is tuning the strings of your heart because he wants you to play the right notes. He wants you to play the right melodies to walk in the destiny and calling that he has for you. He's healing things within you for his purposes. So anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. And she goes back and prays for some other people. So then I get to announce, you know, the Young Adults Camp, um, kind of in the next morning session, the final session. And right before I go, the cool camp gets to make their announcement. And this is the camp that pretty well all those people that are there go to. And they're just cracking jokes and telling all the who's who of who's coming, which is basically like all the various local pastors and stuff like that. And then um, our camp, again, is kind of like, I call it the ugly stepchild of the district, um, just, just because... <laughs> We're, we're, again, we're not supported by the super big churches. We're supported by a bunch of smaller ones. Personally, I think we kick butt and take names, even though we have far less support than other people, and God moves in powerful ways out there. Um, anyways, I have a bias towards the underdog a little bit here. But anyways, so I'm like, I know I'm walking into a circumstance where like all these people don't come to our camp, and a lot of them haven't even heard of it. So I go up there and say, hey, my name's Chris. I'm from... Uh, I'm here on behalf of Moose Lake Camp, and then I, I just heard all this snickering go throughout the crowd. And I speak, I speak in front of crowds for a living. I know what it's like when people don't pay any attention to you, especially because I talk in front of a youth group all the time, and those kids don't pay a whole lot of attention sometimes. You know. 
But anyway, so I know, I know what that feeling is like and all these murmuring going, I don't have people's eye contact, not paying attention. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure a lot of you haven't come to our camp before. Then again, all this murmuring going back and forth. And it's just tremendously awkward. Um, and then I'm like, I'm bringing in a speaker from Jesus Culture Church. Everybody shuts up. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I just began to share my heart for the camp. And I said, this is what I believe God wants to do in this generation. He wants to set people free from the things that are besetting them. The things that are causing death and destruction in their life. And instead, give them this abundant life. And God wants to heal these insecurities that young adults walk around with. But anyways, this was a hard announcement to give. I was being triggered all weekend long. I was being very irritated. But anyways, fast forward a few months. It's now March 1st. Registration's open. Six registrations come in right away. I said, praise the Lord. It's amazing. Because here's the thing. Young adults, they usually leave things to the last minute. I had 50 people come out last year, which was pretty good. And I was like, okay, we're off to a running start. Not all that bad. But then you keep going on, on and on and on, and those six registrations are still staying the same. Nobody else is coming in. I'm like, what in the world's going on? So I'm pounding the pavement. I'm going all over the place telling people about young adults camp. And I'm, I'm going to people that, you know, I texted every single person that came last year, and they're not responding. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm showing up to young adults conferences and or uh, services, things like that. And the number one thing I would hear every time is, well, who else is going? How many people are going? That's all they wanted to know. Not that we're bringing in this phenomenal speaker, that we have amazing activities, all this kind of stuff. It was, who else is going? Who's all going? How many people are going? The only thing they cared about is what the crowd was doing again and again and again. It's a terrible way to live your life right there. But anyways, so I'm texting all these young adult pastors of these big city churches that have big young adult groups, because I'm thinking, man, if I could just get one of their groups to come, I'm solid. We're going to break even, et cetera, et cetera. It'd be great. They don't even respond to my text messages. I put it in the group chat of a bunch of youth pastors that I've been in a cohort with for all year. They don't even respond to my message. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Very irritating. <laughs> but anyways, I'd be like, some, some people I'd send stuff to, and they'd be like, oh, this looks cool. And I asked them, could you post it on your social media? No response. I'd watch their social media, not posting. And so I'm getting a little bit offended here, a little bit annoyed, a little bit triggered, you know? There was some people that were very amazing, and shout out to them. They were uh, very supportive. And so at the same time, I have all these kind of rejections and this annoyance going on. I do have other people saying, this is amazing. We need this. I'm going to promote this. So there's good and bad happening at the same time. But anyways, we get to probably within a month of the camp, and I see the district has now posted this thing on their Facebook that's all about the summer camps. I said, yes, the district is coming in clutch. We're going to advertise for us. And then I hit the link. Scroll through the page, and they completely forgot about that Moose Lake has a United Alt camp, but they'll post the other one. So again, my annoyance, my hurt, I'm just getting triggered, I'm up here. Sorry if they watch this, but this is the straight truth here. So now, you know, we're still sitting at about six registrations, and we've got like a month to go. And I got so stressed out, I started to feel even physically ill. I had just a sour stomach about it. And all sorts of thoughts are going in my mind, like, Oh, this is going to be tremendously awkward because I have to face all these other pastors. I'm going to be like, hey, how'd your young adults camp go? And I'm like, oh, didn't. You know? um, or all these other camps that just were going amazing, and I'm watching all their registrations come in, and I'm like, all these other people at camp, their camp's going great. What's, t what's wrong with this one? And No offense to these other camps, but I'm bringing in probably the best-known speaker out of anybody here. <laughs> like, what's going on here? 
I'm bringing in a guy all the way from California. Nobody cares. What, like, what's happening? And then in the middle of this weekend where I was just feeling just sick to my stomach about all that was going on and had a little bit of a woe is me attitude probably, I just feel the Holy Spirit say to me, I'm using this to deal with your fear of rejection. See, what that means, your fear of rejection, well, the way I like to break it down is that we are all made for unconditional love. That's how God made us because that's how he loves us. There's nothing we could ever do to be separated from his love, from his adoration. And so in any circumstance, when you're not getting that, when, when people treat you as lesser than, as inadequate, it hurts. Rejection in any way, shape, or form, that's why it hurts so bad. It's because we were not designed for it. God never made, it, made us for it. And so each, of everyone, each and every one of us in different ways, God needs to tune our heartstrings in this area. To know that we are loved by God no matter what. And we don't live for the approval of men. We don't live for the approval of people. We live for his approval. So this is the area that God was tuning my heart strings. This is an area that within me that needed a tune-up. And I know everybody else kind of in one way, shape, or form. They do need tune-ups in this area. This is the bad one. So anyways, right after this, a downpour of registration shows up out of nowhere. And then I get an email from this church in Edmonton, this small church I've never heard of, that I never, I never talked to, I never advertised to. And they say, hey, we have a group of young adults, of about 30 of us we want to bring. And they were very excited about coming down. And what I didn't know is that a lot of these people from this young adult group were very recent refugees from Ukraine. I knew this was a Slavic church that had a lot of uh, kind of Ukrainians or Russians or people from Czech Republic or Poland in it. What I didn't realize is they've experienced a massive boom in their young adults population recently because of all of the refugees uh, coming out of Ukraine. Specifically, a lot of yeah, young adults that their parents are sending away because they either don't want them to be drafted into the war or, or you know, there's a lot of gross and terrible things that can happen uh, to people in war zones. And so these people, like literally two months ago, a bunch of them were in a war zone, in the middle of a war zone. Now, all of a sudden, they're coming to my camp. Now, so here I am thinking way back in December that God's going to use this camp to deal with, you know, issues like insecurity or caring a bit too much for other people think and, and this kind of level of issues and, um, and things like that. God had other plans. He wanted to deal with some pretty significant trauma that was in people. The fact they were literally in a war zone just a couple months ago, that they saw their families killed or ripped apart and that they're living all by themselves for the first time in their life because the rest of their families across the world in the middle of a war. God had such greater plans than I, that were you know, just beyond anything I would have ever thought. And when this group comes to the camp, and I ended up um, having about 70 people come. I was aiming to have the same 50 I had the year before. If you would have told me like two weeks before the camp I would have 70-some people come, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but anyway, somehow I ended up with more than I had last year, and it all was coming in last minute. And throughout that weekend, God just began to move in powerful ways. There are all sorts of people there that had all sorts of different trauma in their life, some pretty sad stories that had happened, some abandonment. Um, and here's God just doing incredible things in their heart and touching them in such profound and incredible ways. You know, one of the girls there, she suffered from self-hatred. And Dan happened to just pick her right out of the crowd prophetically. And he asked if she would come forward and sit in this chair and look across at this other chair that was completely empty. And he says, I want you to talk to your childhood self. Because this issue that you have of self-hatred goes all the way back to your childhood. And he took her through this exercise. I want you to speak the love of God. I want you to speak God's purposes and God's plans and God's identity over your younger self, your childhood self. 
Anyways, it was a very, very powerful thing. I don't think there was a dry eye in that whole room. And afterwards, the girl came over to me and she says, everything is different now. I don't even recognize myself. Everything has changed. I can't even believe what God has done within me. I also had assumed that the crowd that was going to come was just a bunch of Christians. Again, I didn't assume anything correctly. A bunch of people that weren't even Christians. And so probably five minutes into Dan's first sermon, he just says, I just feel there's like five people in this audience, in this congregation that need to get right with God, that you're not serving the Lord right now. And I'm like, woo, I've never seen that before. He's doing an altar call at the beginning of his message instead of the end. But anyway, people were just getting saved, coming up. And like, it was, it was wild. And then, you know, throughout this weekend, you know, ministering to especially these Ukrainian refugees was such a privilege because they were amazed at everything we did, everything we did. The food, um, the activities. Um, I, took, I took one girl on a ride and a side-by-side. I, I kind of did that all Saturday afternoon, taking people on rides on the side-by-side. We had this off-road machine. And this one girl was giggling like a little girl the entire time, probably 20-something years old, but she was having the absolute time of her life as if she was a child at a carnival. And it was just so profound to be like, we are ministering to these people at such a deep level and showing them life and life abundantly and so much fun taking them on boats for the first time in her life. Um, yeah, and so it's just an incredible experience after incredible experience. People are getting healed. I'm watching physical healings happen right before my eyes. It's just incredible. And so anyways, this whole weekend um, really was beyond my wildest dreams. And what was funny is the, the leader of that Ukrainian refugee group, he came out to me at the end and said, this weekend was beyond anything I could have ever expected. And he was just like beside himself because of all what had gone on. And so it, even though it was, that was a very hard road for me to go on to get there, when, I, when we did get there, it was absolutely incredible. See, God is always in this business of turning death into life. Whatever your circumstance, it can be very severe like these people from Ukraine that had this extreme trauma in their life. God will work on it. He will redeem. He is working. He will do something with that. He will bring life and life abundantly to your life when you put your life in his hands. Or whether you, know, you care a little bit too much for other people think or you're looking too much for the validations of other, God will bring life out of that thing that's bringing death to you. So I can guarantee you that everybody that's hearing this story, everyone that's hearing this message, you have some weeds in the middle of your soul. There's things that are causing death in your life, that are causing destruction in your life, that are causing you know, the theft of you know, dreams or hope or joy. And God needs to pull them out. God needs to deal with them. You know, there needs to be some Holy Ghost roundup sprayed into our souls to deal with some stuff. Because God wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in joy. He wants you to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. He has this plan for your life that you might not be able to attain if these weeds stay in place. And so God needs to tune our heart strings. He needs to tighten some things up or loosen some things within us. And so as I kind of just wind this message down a little bit here, I want to just begin to list off a bunch of things that I just believe God wants to deal with. And I'm just going to leave, you know, leave the Holy Spirit to just highlight whatever maybe he wants to work in on you. And uh, if you're human, and everyone in here is, there's definitely a lot of stuff within you that needs work. But let's just say today, let God just highlight just one thing, just one thing. So here's, here's a few of them. Maybe it's the fear of rejection, what I was just sharing about in that story. Caring a little bit too much about maybe the validation of others. Or maybe it's the fear of people not seeing your value. 
or a fear of being deemed inadequate or the fear of being judged by others or thought of lesser than. Maybe it's just an over-focus on the opinions of others. Maybe it's being too easily swayed by the crowd or what's popular. Maybe it's a fear of making mistakes. Maybe it's perfectionism, a fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown, the, the uncertain, the future. Maybe you find yourself struggling to take risks, to take leaps of faith, to trust God with the unknown. Maybe it's the fear of the uncomfortable. You don't like to get outside your comfort zone. Or maybe it's just this shame over your past that just keeps coming back again and again and again. That's haunting you. Maybe it's just your past mistakes that has that haunting in your soul again and again and again. Maybe it's past trauma and pain. Things you've gone through before that still affect you to this day. Maybe it's bitterness. Things haven't worked out and your heart's become hard. Could be unforgiveness or resentment. Here's a big one, comparison. Or maybe it's procrastination, laziness, excuse making. Or maybe it's an addiction or just a bad habit in general. Or maybe it's just kind of you, you have a pattern of rebellion on your life. Maybe it's just general insecurity on you know, who you are and what your value is. Maybe you have a shame even over the things you're currently struggling with. Maybe you, you burn yourself out and you work too hard and you have a bad pattern in that respect. Maybe it's arrogance, stubbornness, or it's worry. This isn't an exhaustive list. The Holy Spirit can put his finger on anything. He can highlight anything within your soul right now. But the question I want you to ask yourself is this. What needs to die within you so that you can have life and abundant life? What is interfering with your ability to walk in your calling and your destiny? What is inhibiting your ability to trust God? What's that heartstring that needs tuning? So if you just ask the Holy Spirit, which one would you like to highlight today? And then I want you to give him permission to begin to heal that area. Even if it's a months-long journey with a lot of fun stops along the way, give him permission to take you on a journey to heal that, to tune that heartstring. I also want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what have you already been working on that I'm not even aware of? In my story, I didn't know for months and months what God was working on until he finally revealed it. But maybe today he wants to reveal something. What's, what's he working on in your life? And let the Holy Spirit begin to just minister to tell you how far you've come and how proud he is of you, of all the things you've walked through and you're still standing, you're still here in the house of God today. And let God just remind you that he who is faithful to begin the work will also carry it to completion. There is no issue, there is no heartstring that's out of tune that is too hard for God to tune. There's no hurt or pain that he can't heal. If God can redeem the cross, if he can redeem a literal execution device, he can redeem anything in your life. So I'm just going to end in prayer, and if you happen to want any altar ministry, if you want any prayer after the fact, we can do that, and if not, you're dismissed.
I just believe God's going to continue to minister to you throughout the day. Maybe you'll have an aha moment of, hey, this is what I'm doing in you. But anyways, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are in this business of turning death into life. Because, because God, without you, we'd be, we'd be hopeless. We'd be in deep trouble. We would have this inability to conquer all of these things. But with God, all things are possible. So I pray, God, that today you're going to encourage people that you are always in the business of bringing death into life. You are always in the business of redemption. And regardless of what people have in that death column of their life, that whatever they have that's bringing death and destruction, whatever is stealing and robbing and killing their joy, their hope, their peace, their patience, God, you're so much bigger. You're so much greater. You have the ability to redeem and restore beyond our wildest imaginations. So God, I just pray that hope's going to arise and a joy is going to arise today, that you are at work and you are making all things right. You're turning our ashes into beauty. You're turning our sorrows into joy. You're turning our mourning into dancing. God, I also just pray for a vulnerability today. Pride can get in the way of us admitting that we actually have some heartstrings that need to be tuned, that we have issues within us that, that need to die, some weeds of our soul that need to be pulled out. And so, God, we just pray against that and instead just pray some vulnerability, some, some openness, some honesty. And then we can just be real about the fact that we need help. We need God's help to set us free from some things. We need the Lord to come in and minister to our souls. And God, we just pray against any sort of shame coming up as well that's going to make people feel bad for the fact that they're just a human being, that this is normative, it's normal to struggle, this is the human life. Jesus says, in this life you will have struggles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So God, we're going to take heart today despite the struggle despite the pain, despite the mountain that might be standing in our way. And we're just going to believe for big things. God, even this morning, we're going to believe and declare that you can go right to the root of things and pull things out from the roots up. Immediately deal with a problem or two today even, God. We're also going to believe, God, that you're going to take people on extraordinary life-changing journeys that are going to see them set free in such radical ways that they don't even recognize themselves. So God, we just invite you to minister today. We pray there's not a single person in this room or even watching online that are going to leave without something that you've highlighted in them. So God, would you move? Would you surprise us? Would you just surprise us with your love? Your tender loving care? Because God, you don't, you don't do this to make us feel bad. You do this to make us free. You want us to walk in freedom. So we declare freedom over these people today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. 